It's good to see you. Good to see you, Kabe. So, you don't know what we're doing, right? I have no idea. <laughs> so, I just wanted to do a podcast where I would have the conversation I'd want to have with people I care about before they die, or I die. Because I've had this experience where people die, and you didn't get to say the things you would have wanted to say. If you'd known they were dying, you would have said. <laughs> and of course, everyone's dying, so that's the idea of the podcast. Okay. So I guess I'll start. Okay. You feel free to jump in. <laughs> um, I guess I would say, like, you're one of my favorite people in the world, and there's just a handful of people that I really love, like, just everything about them and just being with them, and I just really enjoy their company and respect and admire their work and their spiritualness, <laughs> all of that. And I don't see you very often because you don't live here, but I'm just so glad to have met you and to, to, to be a friend. And I feel like you're um, a really great filmmaker and kind of underappreciated. I feel underappreciated also, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe I just relate to that. But um, I, I just, I feel like you're like a, a hidden treasure that will one day be appreciated more than you are now. And I just want to say that. Well, Kale, thanks. I mean, definitely the feeling is mutual. You know, I wouldn't have, I, uh, I always enjoy seeing you. And I follow you from afar because we don't live close to each other. I mean, I think about you a lot. I think about really? it. Yeah, I do actually. <laughs> I mean, you're, you know, you're brilliant. You're a brilliant guy, and um, but also funny, and um, there's that. I think that combo makes you dangerous uh -huh. <laughs> to the world, uh -huh. which I appreciate. And you make yourself crazily vulnerable, um, which I always find. I think you're brave in a way I'll never be, because I mean, maybe part part of what attracts me to you, and part of the reason I've wanted to stay in touch with you through these years is you're honest in a way I could never be. <laughs> uh -huh. And I think that's something I find amazing. And and I've watched the sometimes, you know, train wreck of your personal life. And that is a consequence in part to this commitment you have to truth and beauty and Again, I just, I find you amazed, like, as amazing because of these things. And your work at its best, the work I love best is like this Kabe who wants to know what it means to be alive for this ridiculous little short period of time where we open our eyes in this stupid world and try to make sense of it before we kick the bucket. Um, Close them again. Are you still but, doing your zine? Yeah, I mean, I am. I, I mean, I'm pretty much doing everything I've <laughs> just done. And it's just, you know, it becomes... I think there was a time when maybe just that kind of work and being interested in... I don't know. I, I mean, I just feel like my own work and the world are just sort of parting company more and more. Uh, you know, uh, I, uh. I mean, I'm happy to... I just feel like I'm... Yeah, I... 
I feel sort of out of touch, maybe. Um, or at least I feel like out of the zeitgeist, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I continue to have ideas that I had in the 90s about being committed to a kind of work that's personal and doesn't give a fuck about, you know... Money. Money and it and exposure. Right. But it, yeah, so... But then also you see... I mean, it's funny we're doing this and, you know, the, the podcast and the sort of, there's so much media, so, so much media now that is about um, bearing one's soul yeah. or speaking person, like the idea of, I mean, at one time, you know, there was, I mean, we're, we grew up in a world, like the first person, there was a politics to the first person and the first personal, you know, there was like a, there was something that felt kind of important and amazing about uh-huh. us, like being willing to acknowledge the first person and to work in the first person, which meant working in a way that put you, you know, where you put yourself out there, you know, uh-huh. like where you're making yourself, you know, vulnerable in that way. And, but also where you're not sort of, um, retreating to some stance outside yourself, you know, where there's uh-huh. like the, the sort of like protective layers uh-huh. of, you know, being off camera, for instance, or being uh-huh. like not having your voice uh-huh. on camera. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, I don't know what I'm saying, it, except that 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 has now I feel like we're saturated now in a world of yeah. the first person and the desire to to sort of like leverage and monetize right. <laughs> like the subjectivity and the personal and personal experiences and I don't know why I'm talking about my own work right now, but I don't know how to make sense of my own, like my own interest in that and like my my own way of arriving at that kind of practice and then what it means now. Um, uh-huh. I mean, I, I would think that your work would be more relevant and more popular than ever. And, you know, I mean, you, we, 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 I mean, our work is so different, but it's sort of, we're kind of, it's also very similar in a way. Like we're both making films about our lives. Right. And you're also writing about your life and documenting it as it unfolds. And in a very funny and poignant and beautiful way, I just feel like, I mean, I, I know some people who, who follow Dream Whip, your scene, and, you know, they're big fans. I mean, like people love that, but it's just, no one knows about it, you know? <laughs> but like, all it takes is like, it's a little bit of uh, knowing about it. And I think it would probably be like more relatable now than ever to the zeitgeist, I think. Yeah, yeah. So. But I wonder, I mean, I guess it also felt like there's some kind of built-in criticality to that kind of first personness In your work? And, yeah, I mean, at least, you know, when I arrived at it, you uh-huh. know, you know, it's just that whole thing about like putting, like acknowledging yourself uh-huh. in like, especially like in nonfiction uh-huh. was, was political then in a way that it isn't anymore. I mean, it just felt that, yeah, it felt yeah, like yeah. there was a, that, yeah, it felt like yeah, yeah. that it put, it separated that kind of work from other stuff that either. It felt oppositional. Oppositional. Which yeah. it doesn't anymore. Right, and it felt like it came out of a subculture, maybe, or a yeah. marginal place, yeah. an outside place. Right, and the margin has been absorbed. Yeah, suddenly by when the that's, center, yeah, 
Which always happens. Totally. And then there's just new margins, right? Yeah. And I wonder what those are, you know? I... Yeah. <laughs> I'm scared to think. Um, huh. Not too long ago, I was visiting a class and the professor had shown some of my work. And uh -huh. then I was talking to the students who were all like college age afterwards. And I think I was expressing self-criticism about, like I was saying, saying I, was, I, find it, found it, I was finding it kind of cringy to see myself to point the camera at myself and to see myself and to even like, I, even looking back at my older work now, it's feeling kind of cringy about being present in that work uh -huh. for various reasons. And uh -huh. I remember when the kids got up and said, you know, something like, fuck that. Like I'm going to be in my work. I mean, I, I mean, for, I mean, for the kid who responded, it was like, what are you talking about? Like, that's why would you cringe at that? That's what you should be doing. Right. And it was a confusing moment. <laughs> uh -huh. I don't know why I feel it. I'm feeling like coming out the other side of like a certain way of working. Like I'm, I'm looking back at that way of working or I'm looking at it now in relationship to all of our social mediated. Right, the present. Yeah. But I, and you're finding it like not sufficiently oppositional for your taste? Or if I'm finding it sort of... Um, Maybe there's, I mean, it just, it seems like maybe it's too, it's, there's too much work like that now. Huh. Um, I don't know. There isn't too much good work like that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is there a way for it to, I mean, this is the same. I mean, maybe you encounter this with students who, if you show them some good work, say some good experimental work or something and they immediately they respond to you, like with some video they saw on youtube and like for them uh -huh. it's the same thing. maybe i'm having trouble i'm having trouble making a case for myself like like is the stuff i did any different than you know is it any better than can it claim make any claims that like i think so any of this kind of first person well, I mean, you have your own you have your own voice that no one else has. I mean, it's you have a voice, right? Yeah. Like a lot of filmmakers don't have a voice, and it's actually very rare when someone does have a voice. And you have a voice, and it's very unique and specific. And like no one else can do that, or does that. I certainly can't or and don't. So, I think anyone with a voice has an <laughs> eternal ontological claim to that. Yeah. Where, you know, like, as I'm trying to think about, like, as I'm trying to put my head about into that space where I'm sort of like either being self-critical or critical about a kind of like first person media making, um, I, I guess what haunts me, was it all along narcissistic to no. point a camp, like to decide to step into a, you know, in front of the shot or to presume to make like work that's about the stupid shit in my head? I've never thought and, so. But that's, I guess, what worries me. And I think because I see so much work that is... Narcissistic, like, yeah. Narcissistic, in a bad way. I mean, yeah, not yeah. even... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you explore narcissism as a thing to explore, right? So I'm, I don't mean that, but I mean, there's so, you know, yeah, there's, yeah. there's just so much just crappy self-involved shit. And that invo often involves, like, someone who's got their dumb camera in their dumb face. <laughs> and, but, and I had my dumb camera in my dumb face but, a yeah, lot. But I don't think your face was dumb. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's about ego. Like, if there's ego involved and it's for purposes of ego, mm -hmm. then it's narcissistic in a bad way. Yeah. If there isn't ego involved or if it's the purposes of, of destroying the ego or, or questioning the ego, 
then it's uh, the opposite of narcissistic. It's like a it's a public service and it's an act of sacrifice and of generosity. Mm. And you strike me as a very non egotistical person. And you know, like a you have much as I think you have much less ego than I do. For example, like I'm I'm always trying to I'm struggling with my ego all the time. And I'm trying to accept it, right? But also, like you know, dismantle it. Yeah. But you seem like I don't know. Ever since I've known you, you've been like pretty egoless, so that your your way of being in the world never feels narcissistic. Whereas mine often does. You know, or like in my films, I think people see them and think, "What a narcissist!" Right. But I don't. I don't know that anyone would say that about your work, just because of the vibe of it. Like there's a. There's a. Do you ever look at? Um, do you ever look at a letterbox? Your uh-huh. I have on letterbox. Recently, I read all my reviews. What, what did you think? Um, Were there mean ones? Yeah, yeah. But I, mean, I, I, I kind of love them. Somebody, <laughs> somebody said something like, <laughs> "The most psychotic filmmaker <laughs> in America," or something. Well, that's that's. That's good. That is not criticism. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they were. I just I appreciated the the extremity of the comments, or that the way I would be putting in this extreme place. Like, I really like extremity. Okay, because yeah, I mean, I guess I had a different. I had a different response to the letter, but like for to me, your comments because it felt a little like so. If in my mind, I don't know if I can describe it because that like colorfully enough or cinematically enough. But in my mind, like my work is like some like wimpy, maybe it's me. So it's like this wimpy looking white guy uh-huh. who has a bad haircut and stuff. Uh-huh. And, he, and he suddenly there's like this room, like, and he's, and he's tried, he's worked himself into a place where he's feeling okay about himself. Uh-huh. And like, and then there's like this, this door and like, it's like something about, it's like film or something. And it's like, what's, what's in here? And he like walks into this room and then the door closes behind him. And then there are hundreds of people who start beat the fuck out of him and leave him like, <laughs> and like smashes, like crush him. I mean, just absolutely destroy. Not, not even just like a pummeling, just like dismember uh-huh. to the atomic level. This like, and that's, I mean, that's how it felt. And then it just felt like kind of unfair. Like it was like the work was never meant, uh-huh. like the work uh-huh. was never meant to like go into that room. Like it was not supposed yeah. to, like it never even imagined like, when it was, figuring out like what it was it was never intending to to ever uh-huh. like it was ju- so it's actually that i guess the analogy is not quite right because i'm it wasn't that i hope that the work opened the door it was like past this door and then these hands like grabbed him and like pulled him into their screen i guess that's more what it because i uh-huh. i did not you don't submit your shit right to, to letterbox. letterbox it just huh. unfortunately so people were vicious i mean there's some nice things for sure uh-huh. but uh-huh. i mean you don't pay attention to the nice right. things you it's know. like the brutal but brutal. I mean, so I mean, that's where I. That's those. Are, you know, partly it's like if the internet's telling you there's one like he sounds like a guy I'd like to punch in the face, right? And then it's like I do sound like it. I mean, then you start listening. <laughs> I like I look at the film. It's like yeah, I would. You should punch that guy in the face. I. I, I had an experience where I put some stuff on early early internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was this like, is like too early two thousand like the first wave. Yeah, of, yeah. Like, yeah, there was that weird moment where everyone was trying to, like... Punch you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. But also trying to, like, turn work that wasn't on the online... I feel like there were those early yeah. companies that were trying to, like, grab experimental work, for instance. And, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was that. It was weird. Yeah. You know? But I, 
I put some work on there. It was like outtakes. It was uh, bonus tracks from I'm a Sex Addict okay. that were really out there. One I'm on mushrooms. One I'm on ecstasy. One is this like sex scene, and I I put them out there. And the one, especially the one that was on mushrooms, like I had. It like it kind of went viral almost immediately. Like I, I think more views on that than anything I've ever put on the wow. internet in my whole life. Wow. Okay. But the, almost all were. If I ever see this guy, I'm gonna beat the shit out of him. <laughs> and I got scared. I was like, I'm gonna take this off. Like I don't want to get beat up. Yeah. So, but there was this like rage, mm -hmm. this rage at what is weird and they don't understand. Right. And it's got to be kids. It's got to be teenage. Boys, probably teenage boys, yeah. who were just like completely threatened by this per this portrayal of the complexity of the human experience, right? And all they can think is aggression. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of that on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Just like teenage ignorant anger. And, and you don't really know that because yeah, you don't know what's behind. The yeah. Cut, when you go to so... a screening, it's all like you know wimpy. Yeah. People like us. Yeah. Yeah. Who. Who sometimes won't even dare to say anything during the Q and A. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I I think there is a lot of that, but that's not that's not our audience. Yeah, I guess that's just like an error. Somebody somebody came across the wrong thing at the wrong time. But it's funny. I mean, but but our work can you know can circulate in the same yeah way that yeah. Any work okay. that is for those audiences circulates and then like cross the desktop of like right. these audiences. I mean, I, I guess I feel like I've curated my life around or away from uh -huh. like having to encounter that right. too, you know? Right. It's like I wouldn't think to do like a micro cinema show in the backyard of like Phi Delta Kappa. Right. You know, unless I was like feeling really masochistic. Right. But I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that the you know, the touchstone no, I, <laughs> for your, for your legacy. But you do, I, you know, yeah. I mean, you've, you've successfully, I mean, you've transitioned to that larger audience though. I'm not saying the audience of thug kids, teenagers, right. but to the larger world of like circulating on media so that you're reaching so many more eyeballs. I, I am, I am more uh, known now than I've ever been. Yeah. Has that, I mean, do you have a different relationship to making because you're aware that what you make circulates in this different, larger way? Um, I think so. In, in some ways, it's just encouraging. So, you know, there's always those moments when you're like, why am I doing this? Does anyone give a shit? And like, I have fewer of those moments, maybe. But that's really all it is. And... I don't think I do things significantly differently. Yeah. You always had an idea, though, of working at a larger scale. I still trying. I mean, I mean, you told me, I think, when we were roommates that long oh, yeah. time ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, that you wanted to be famous. Like, you had this idea of. Yeah. But which means you had this idea of scaling up. Yes. Like, I yes, think, yeah. Like, that didn't seem like something that was going to distress. I mean, it seemed like it was kind of maybe it wasn't like you suddenly, it wasn't like you were Elliot Smith in a you know, coffee shop, and then the next day you've got a major record deal, and it, and then you have to kill yourself because you never. Right. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> but uh, I mean, at a certain point, I got tired of wasting years of my life chasing un 
unrealistic goals. And I just was like, I'm, I scaled back. Mm. And I'm just going to make mm. things that are, you know, scalable. Yeah. And, uh, and I've been making just really cheap work. Yeah. And I think that was the right thing. That was the right because thing. Because it makes yeah. me as crazy. And the work at least gets made. And there's something about lo-fi stuff, like your work, that is part of its charm. Totally. And that would be lost if it wasn't like that. Um, I'm, but I'm constantly trying to up it a little bit. Uh, and I'm still trying. Yeah. But I'm not trying to the to the detriment or, you know, in lieu of making the work, continue to make low-budget work. I'm still... What would happen with if Netflix gave you, like, whatever they do? Don't they give you, like, a, 10, a bunch of money? Yeah. $20 million? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm just making up a number. I, I mean, I know but, it's never happened to me, but... Uh, Probably a whole new set of like challenges, right? You would hire. Would you? What would be your? What would be the main way you would? Ch- do you think you would change your making? I would. I would hire a bunch of people. So I was, yeah. yeah. But behind the camera, or do you think you would also try to find people? You know, the kind of people in front of the camera you couldn't afford to have. Or, all, all of it. Yeah. Yeah, I would do all of that. Yeah. And and the truth is, I I have people who help me with my films for free. I don't really need it. Yeah. And you know, I don't care who's in front of the camera. Um. So I'm I'm fine. It's really just about uh, trying to get more people to see the work. Right. I don't know why that's important, but it, it is kind of. I think it's sick not to, like, I've long since decided. I mean, the idea of, like, not caring about that and continuing to make work seems. Yeah. Like, I don't intend to not. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely not. And you do show stuff. You travel on a I bicycle do. with no, a projector I trying to show stuff. I mean, I like stuff. that a lot. Yeah. I think it's more, maybe I'm just, I mean, first of all, it's a hell of a lot of work to try to get your work out yeah, there anyway it, it really is but then i also just yeah i've always felt sort of uncompromising about like i want to do it in a way that's fun for me right and it does seem anytime i've glanced it's not like it's happened much but anytime i've glanced against anything that seems more legit where contracts and things like that are involved uh-huh. it suddenly totally stopped being fun yeah and then also this world of assholes there's this world of assholes involved with like people with money often yeah come from this world of asshole-ishness. Yeah. yeah. And also they have expectations, which, I mean, you've managed to get around all that. But. Just by being rejected over <laughs> Yeah. But I think, yeah, wanting the work to be screened or seen, I think that's, I think I don't understand not wanting that. You know, I don't think I would be making, I definitely wouldn't be making. Yeah, me neither. And then that, that feels like a kind of narcissism. Yeah. For sure. Do you know who Joyce Maynard is? I know that. Who is that? She's a writer. I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She wrote To Die For, the okay. Gus Van Sant movie was based I, on. I thought I'd heard of her. I, but, I haven't read it. But her main claim to fame is she used to go out with J.D. Salinger. Mm. And she was very young. He was much older. Yeah. She was a college student at Yale. And she was on the cover of a article, in the, maybe in New York Times. Yeah. And she was cute. And J.D. Salinger saw this photo of her and he reached out to her. And then they met and they started having this affair. And so she like lived with him for, I don't know, a few months. And he had two kids. And she wrote uh, a chapter in a book about that experience. Okay. And it was fascinating. Yeah. yeah. But the most interesting thing was he would write every day, uh-huh. but he was against publishing. And then he would put it in a safe. He had a safe in his house. And he'd been writing for years and he had all these books that had never been published. I remember thinking, like, how can you do that? How can you write? And, you know, he figured it would be published when he died, I guess. Yeah. But still, like, you're not in conversation with the culture. 
Like you're, like it just seems so weird to me. Yeah. And then he died, and I kept thinking, like, when are the books going to come out? And nothing came nothing out. Nothing came out. Maybe they lost the combination to this. <laughs> <laughs> maybe like, he destroyed them before he died. I don't. I don't know. Or maybe he wasn't writing anything. Maybe it was like in The Shining. You totally. Know? <laughs> JD is a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think being in conversation is really a big part of the experience and the thrill of it. I will say that you know. I've been seeing someone who's much younger than me, and she's like very like uh, into what's happening. She like really totally understands the internet. Did you see a picture on a article? I didn't. <laughs> she contacted me because she liked the show. Okay. My last several girlfriends have all I've met through them liking the show. That's by the way a whole other reason to make yes, art. Yes, it is. <laughs> Especially if you're single. Uh, but so she is kind of like an internet genius. Like okay. if. If anybody was smart and they want to know what, what's happening, they would just hire her and she would know exactly what to say, what, what to do and what's happening at every turn. It's like crazy. And it's basically all she does is she just like surfs the web. But she has a very, very like specific subcultural, you know, she's part of a subculture. And so she's constantly telling me like, oh, Kavi, that's, that's cringe or that's not cringe or this is cool, this is not cool. And... What did you say? The, the first thing you said? Cringe. Oh, or not oh, cringe? They say cringe. Oh, they say cringe, yeah. Okay. I okay. thought you got it from them. I no. <laughs> I was thinking about just cringing. I didn't realize that's the thing. Oh, it's a big thing. So that's cringe. Okay. And they're like very, very like worried about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, unhealthily worried. What do you mean she's a part of a subculture though? I mean, are I you mean, just not naming the subculture? Well, I don't know what or, to call it, but it's like It's not furries. No, no, no. That's the only one I could think of. It's like I don't know. She would. I don't know what she would call it, but it's kind of like oppositional. Okay. And it's very anti-PC. Okay. Okay. And it's kind of like a, a backlash against mm. you know woke consciousness. Do you, and with good taste, do you think? Yeah. It sounds like she's she great. It taste. Seems like yeah, someone who's got good taste. Yeah. Or yeah, and and they like certain things. This 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 group, they like Adam Curtis, the the documentary filmmaker. Yeah, what is this power of myth? I, I don't really know his work either. I've seen one thing that I really liked. Yeah. <laughs> power of Nightmares? The Something of Nightmares? Anyway. Anyway, he's a See, British, part of the, he's a British he's documentary. British guy, yeah. But they all love this guy. Okay. Uh, oh! Anyway, I think I'm placing him with... Okay. Anyway, continue. I think I may have a slight idea what you're talking about. Um, he's really good. Okay. And they like me. Yeah. And uh, then, you're in this. I'm in this. Pantheon. And right. then there's a few other things that they like certain like writers, certain like, you know, things. And it's like, it fits into this, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know what to call it, but so like, I'm often like navigating through her prism and I'm sort of, I sort of usually listen, I don't always listen to her because sometimes I'm like, that doesn't, that's not me. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But um, I feel like she's really helped me like just understand the current, at least a certain subculture of the current zeitgeist. Right. And I do kind of fit into it well. Yeah. Um, you know, like a, without trying, without I mean, trying, because it's yeah, yeah, without trying. Um, the ion pack is part of this thing. Yeah, what is? I know it's coming. It's like a, that. it's like a, it's like a website. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a podcast. Yeah. Um, but they have like their own aesthetic thing and proclivities and right. And then there's certain filmmakers that they like, and don't like. Yeah. Who wouldn't they like? I wonder. Uh, hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. Are they mean about it? 
Um, Are they hanging out in a letterbox? They're, they're very, they're very, they're very hipstery. Yeah. Okay. And so they're savvy as hell. I'm sure. Like savvy. Savvy. Yeah. 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 And and but they're, and they're very into into being cool. Yeah. In a way that we never were. Mm-hmm. Um, but they probably are cool. They are cool, but cool is just whatever you say it is. Yeah. And the thing that was cool today is going to not be cool tomorrow. So it's like I'm kind of against the idea of cool personally, but uh, they're not. Yeah. And I don't know. Anyway, I'm just saying like I'm, I've, I've had some help uh, navigating the current climate. Right. And finding maybe a place or a niche within it. Or yeah. A, I mean, or an audience. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That. But I think you would fit in just fine. <laughs> well, I started so with the dream with the zine. I got a Substack. Oh, good version oh. of it that I do every so often because I wanted to see what would happen. Oh, cool. But again, I mean, it's sort of an unsuccessful experiment. Oh, yeah. Only because it has to like you can Substack till the cows come home, but you need people to be. Really? Do you know how it works? Yeah, like you, you subscribe. subscribe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't even have to. So it's how many subscribers do you have? Probably like a hundred. Uh huh. Like I was thinking, I keep that's having actually this, not terrible. I keep having this fantasy though, where I but it's free. Content. Yeah, yeah, it's free. Oh, I mean, still, I do it for it's free. It's still not terrible. Yeah, I mean, if I suddenly <laughs> pay a dollar, <laughs> it's actually it's one of those things too that's a little bit you know if you've ever done it. You, so I you know I'll so their dream would be travel stories uh-huh. and um and mostly from the past because I've got all these old I'm like JD Salinger uh, yeah right? got, except <laughs> for me it's just a question I'm so slow so I'm I'm still working through like right now there's a bike trip we took my current partner and I took in 2008 or nine or something so I'm writing about that now wow because I'm finally it which is actually enjoyable to go back wow take this little time trip time based on your memory. And well, these journals and my memory. Okay. And so now I'm going back to what I wrote and then, uh-huh. but then changing it and oh. restructuring it through the prism of all those wow. years, which is, I mean, whatever. For me, it's an interesting wow. exercise. But so I drop these little story, you know, they're uh-huh. short stories uh-huh. once ever. So, because I also always feel guilty about right, spamming people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are subscribing <laughs> for free? <laughs> but then, well, that's the thing that I drop one. And then you can see how many subscribers you get. Uh-huh. And then every so often, someone unsubscribes. Right. And then it's. How often do you post them? I was so I had this idea. Nobody noticed it, but I was trying to do it every initially every two weeks on a Thursday night because. Uh-huh. And then I had this fantasy like everyone's going to be waiting right. for Thursday. You know, like, <laughs> and then yeah, and then things intervened. Like I've been working on other projects, right. and so it's gotten slower. And, right, right, right. And again, like I, I, I have noticed like yeah, people if you put too many of these things out, it's easy for to just delete them as you know spam. Right. Like if I if if a thing keeps popping up. Right. Weren't you doing actually? Weren't you doing something? Yeah, you, I did like a, a daily journal. I think you told me about this last time I saw you. Yeah, for a year. Yeah, and, and you did have that's right. You had subscribers. I did. And it was a dollar. It was a dollar a, okay. a a month. I think. How did it work? It was great. Okay. I mean, it, it was really hard uh, emotionally because I was talking about that day. That's right. That's right. I and I was talking kind of. Often harshly about mm-hmm. people <laughs> that I was mad at or whatever, and then they would read it and they'd be mad yeah. that I said that, and you know they would dispute my version of it. I so, feel like you wrote one. I mean, you must have written one about the day because you were doing it. I think the last time I was here, probably. I need to find. I don't think I. Uh-huh. Maybe I wouldn't have shown. <laughs> You're probably up. in it. That asshole. Um, I can't believe. But I'm actually going to release it just myself, uh, 
soon. <laughs> I've been saying this for a while, but I haven't had time to get to it. But but I did that. Then I did a, an audio version of it oh, cool. for okay. a year where I would just talk into a tape recorder about what happened that day. And that was even worse, like upsetting people, especially my girlfriend. Because um, it felt, wonder why, because you don't have the filter of like writing. Yeah, and also that. not the, the filter of, uh, of, of distance. Yeah. You know, perspective. That's true. So it was just very, very fresh and raw. Yeah. And uh, it was making her crazy. Yeah. And it was really uh, getting in the way of our relationship and, and her sanity, really. Okay. Um, and she was suicidal. And I was just like, okay, it's not worth, it's not worth it. So I ended it uh, prematurely before the end of the year. But probably people were happy to pay the buck. For, that, was, was that, that might have been more. That might have been like three bucks. That's yeah, like the different levels of porn. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are two levels. But I have a Patreon now that this this is on, uh, which is actually helping me live. I mean, because I don't make enough as a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> but um, And that's just people donate what they want. It's like it's not a subscription thing. No, it is a subscription. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and so half of them are free and half of them are on Patreon. Okay. But I also have a bonus tier that I, I don't put enough on. So I feel like I should maybe put some stuff on there, maybe like about us, like maybe our, our correspondence that we did, yeah. a video correspondence or yeah. something. That's interesting. That's, that's interesting that, yeah, you charge more though for the spoken. Uh, yeah. I don't, it just was like, let's I could, see what it, happens. Like the content is more... I mean, how do you decide? I'm not saying that the, the spoken word, word is worth more than the written word. <laughs> just, I'd like to think. Maybe, I, just, I just did. Or uh, the immediacy is worth something more. I, I just wanted to charge a dollar because I didn't want anybody to be able to access it. Like I wanted to just have a little barrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, against exactly. the people who want to beat you up. No, totally. totally. Right. Yeah, they won't, they won't <laughs> right. cough up a buck. Right. No, it's true. So it's just yeah, I think that protection. Yeah. No, that makes sense in general, I think, to always... There is something about not giving it away. But you should try doing the dollar thing. And just see what happens. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't, you know. I would subscribe. Oh, I should, I should see who, how many. But I didn't even know it existed, you see. No, I know. That's a, well, I was going to say, like, that's been my other fantasy is, like, somehow I get in the news. Because uh -huh. that's how, what you need. Right. And then they find your Substack. Right. So if, like, say. Bill Brown was found dead this morning. I <laughs> wouldn't benefit. <laughs> but, you know, if. I, you know, I teach. So what would be handy is if like a student accused me of something horrible. Right. You know, there's the notoriety. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the students got it, you know, they're yeah. an unpredictable source they, of they drama. Huh. But I'm too, I mean, yeah. But no, I think that's, I find that interesting. We should get back to dying because, uh, because this podcast is... I just have I have to go teach soon. <laughs> yeah, speaking. Um, death. Why are you think? Why have you been? Th you're not dying, are you? I mean, no, I'm just getting older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. And uh, you know, when I did the three sixty five stories podcast, mm -hmm. did you hear that one? I didn't hear that one. Okay. Uh, I, I had this idea. I've been wanting to do it for like ten years, and I was going to do it as like a animated shorts. But I like I never had enough money to hire an animator. I tried to get TV people to give me money. Nobody would do it. Yeah. And then one day I just said, you know what? I'm just going to record them, just so I have them because I'm going to forget these stories. They were lost stories from like when I was a kid. Yeah. And so I recorded them all, and I thought, you know what? I'll just do them as podcasts. 
I mean, first I thought it was just for the audio for the animations. Yeah. And I actually did one animation about meeting Bob Dylan. And then... I think I... I mean, did you have that? Did you release that? Yeah, I released mean, that. I think I did see that. It's called Bob Dylan Hates Me. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally remember it. So that was part of this other Yeah, that was supposed to be the pilot yeah, okay. episode of an animated TV series. Yeah. And so then I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to release it as audio. And first I was like, but then I'll never be able to get money to do the animation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, one, you probably never will anyway. And two, maybe it would help you get money for the animation. Right. So I released it. And, you know, no one... No one no one saw it or heard it. It really it was very obscure. But then this one radio producer did hear it, and he wanted to know if I wanted to do something else. Yeah. And I told him some ideas, and he liked this idea. So then he produced it. Okay. And just because he had a little bit of experience and a following, that got more attention than the one I had done. I like this. So you wound up doing it as an audio, as a podcast. Three Sixty Five Stories was a separate podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> And so I didn't realize, anyway, yeah, I'll find it. But I would go to his apartment like every two weeks and I'd record like 10 of them. Uh, and we did this for a year. Were they short? Yeah, they were like short, that, like five minutes yeah. on average. And I, I swear it's been like three years maybe since I did this, but I, I bet half of the details in the stories I don't remember. Hmm. Like they're just gone. Like, yeah. And so I, I saw this happening that I was forgetting huge chunks of my past. And I just had to get it down before it was too late. Yeah. And so I just have this feeling like it's all disappearing. Yeah. And I'm just trying to grab as much as I can before it's all gone. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm so grateful. I, even if the filmmaking is a bust in some ways, I'm grateful that I found it because so much of my life is documented. It's documented. And, and same with the zines. And it's all stuff. I, I mean, there's no way I'd remember any of it. I mean, right. going back to these through these journals. Yeah. I mean, it's all this kind of magic this magic material of life. I mean, just like life lived. And yeah. I would really, really be sad if I hadn't retrieved a little of it in this way, you know? Because you want other people to see it. In, well, in maybe this is more the, you know, contradicting myself. I think for, I mean, for, so during COVID, that's when I started, the, during the COVID years and being, I was especially locked down because I turned insane. Uh-huh. And I was barely leaving the house. And, um, but so that's when I began revisiting these journals uh-huh. i had tons of them copy i mean because i always keep a journal when i would do the trips uh-huh. and then a lot of it just just I, you run out of time you know with like you know I, not everything gets turned into stories it's just because it's kind of raw material that i like my working is like these journals is like kind of raw material and then that gets like the zines are a more refined version of this stuff that starts as these like journal observations memories you know scrawls so i have lots and lots of that stuff that's that hasn't been kind of processed. It's like, yeah. I, I mean, lately it's been bothering me. So as a media maker, I never bothered to talk to my, so both my parents are dead now. And I mean, I never got all the stories, you know, right. that I really, really regret. And I was yeah. just thinking recently about, so, you know, I was, I grew up in Lubbock, Texas, and there, so there's still people there who are alive, but old who knew my parents and there's even more than my parents. Cause I feel like I know more about them, but I, there's this uncle of mine, uh-huh. my mom's brother, who's a really interesting guy, kind of, he was sort of an asshole, but also interesting guy. He was older. Like he's, he was like in world war two and, huh. um, and my mom was really, really close to him and his wife passed away. So for a long time, he was kind of a bat, you know, whatever that is, a widower or bachelor, but I, you know, 
he led a kind of colorful life. At one point, someone hired a hitman to try to kill him. And so oh. there was like, he had, had an, I mean, you know, maybe just in our own family, he, seems, he was an interesting character. And uh -huh. I never got to. And he died? He died even before my parents. And I never thought to, yeah. made the time to sort of like interrogate him or talk to him, you know, and record it and just save something of that. But anyway, there, so I'm realizing there are some people still alive who at least knew him better than I did. He had right. some friends. He had kind of these, this little posse rat pack of old right. guys. And it has been occurring to me to use, you know, to record them to maybe before everybody's dead. Because you just want to know? Because you want to save it for posterity? Yeah, I don't know why. To, I want to know. I mean, uh -huh. I want to know. I, I guess I, I, it's, yeah, it's purely, yeah, these, I don't think of these as projects of, you know, like, filmmaking projects really uh -huh. like when i think maybe that's what would happen to them possibly just because that might happen with someone who does films but yeah mostly just to to know and not and like this the horror of these things being like there is something just horrible about yeah oblivion oblivion <laughs> and these yeah these stories and these moments you know i it kills me that it I mean, I know you're supposed to live in the present, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, I don't. A lot of times, I, and a lot, I have to say, I took so much joy from going back to, like I said, these journals. Like, uh -huh. there was an amount of joy that, huh. I mean, it was a different kind of joy, but a, a level that was probably comparable to the joy I experienced in the moment of these uh -huh. stories and huh. experiences that I recorded, you know? So there's that. I mean, just the pure, it's almost like live a sort of reliving yeah, uh, for me, it's like part of it's just posterity. Like I want, I don't want to be forgotten. And you've got kids. And I've got right? kids. I mean, there's probably yeah. And I'm doing it for them on some level, but also there's something about and you know Joseph Cordell was into this. Like he was always trying to, he was always collecting things and saving things. You know, uh, program notes from a play. You know, there's right. he, he was trying to save everything because he sort of felt like everything had value and wasn't being value wasn't being understood or appreciated. It's kind of like now, you know, like I read about like, you know, like, I don't know, like first editions or something like how valuable these things are now. And at the time, like no one thought twice about them. Yeah. But it's not just a value like that. It's also like just like a memorializing or appreciating. Like it's just like, it just seems important to, I don't know, to to be reverent or something towards what has been. And, and our culture isn't. For sure. And anything you can sort of salvage as a kind of like arguing for the sacredness of, of, of all life in every moment. So I agree. Plus, there's just the outrageousness that we have to like live in time, you know? I mean, why can't it be that every moment, why do we have to live linearly like this? And why uh -huh. does there have to be a fading past and an uncertain future? I mean, why can't. I guess there's a part of me that wants every single moment to be equally alive and present. Like, Me too, yeah. You know, and it seems, I mean, I wouldn't have designed things quite like this. Though it might mean poignance disappears if there's no more distance in time. I mean, I would regret somehow, like if I tinkered with the universe, I would be sorry that I had fucked up poignance uh -huh. by pulling us out of time, you know. Yeah, poignance is good. But I would I would sacrifice poignance <laughs> gladly. And I could something I could talk about from my perch outside of time. Uh -huh. Like, yeah, poignance, that was something. Well, I believe that the true the true realm is outside of time. 
and maybe without a certain poignance. I'd like to think that we, like, yeah. But maybe this, yeah. So my mother-in-law, for instance, she, my partner's mother, has a house in France. She's oh, French, uh-huh. and um, it's just full up of all of the stuff of her life. Huh. You know, just and she, and it kills her uh-huh. to think. It's becoming a problem. They're getting quite old. Uh-huh. The house, it's an expense to keep it up. Uh-huh. But it's for her. It is a kind of monument to uh-huh. and a. And even just like a material, like a kind of material presence of the past and of all these absences, you know, I, you know, her grandmother's copper, like cooking kettle and like these old coffee grinders uh-huh. and a table that has a certain, you know, it's, uh-huh. it's stuff. But damn it. I mean, it's the stuff that you try to cram in the throat of oblivion, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. if there's like that horrible <laughs> gaping suction me like sucking hole that's sucking us in you just like i can understand she wants to just shovel all the shit of her life and clog it up you know keep from like swirling down into it like a bathroom drain <laughs> stopper some kind. <laughs> but she it's important to her that that all remains and she can't she can't bear to even get rid of like a ratty old blanket. Sabine was trying to convince her to throw out some stuff over uh-huh. the summer and it was... I mean, people then die and then the things don't mean anything to the people who are left behind and then they throw them away. No, exactly. Or there's a company that unsentimentally comes <laughs> yeah. in. And kind of like... Figures the value of each thing. Totally, totally. <laughs> and that's important too, right? I mean, if that's why vultures clean up the dead squirrels, you know? I mean, the world would be cluttered yeah. if it weren't for... And maybe that's the problem with us, you know. I mean, is it right to clutter the world with more archives, more? I think so. I mean, I, I really think my, of my work right now is like archiving. Like I'm trying to finish a bunch of films, trying to start new ones, mm-hmm. but I'm also trying to archive what has been done and organize it in a way that when I'm dead, the people who are left, like, can find it and understand it and know what where it fits. Do you uh, is everything digitized now? Like all your older no stuff. I, I it was all on DVDs. So. Well, that, you know, yeah. you said if I had money, what would I do with it? I would I would hire an archivist. Yeah, and I would do that. Yeah, because you have to keep up with that. Yeah, you know? That's yeah. A, it's kind of scary. Yeah, and it's a big, expensive job. Yeah, I mean, talk about. It. I met a guy. He was uh, Scorsese's archivist. He was one of his archivists. Okay, and he said he'd never met Scorsese and worked for him for years. So like it's like there was so much to do. Yeah, <laughs> that was beyond just was he archiving beyond the filmmaking like like personal like scripts I, correspondences. I, I don't know. I wonder what, how much. I didn't There's really. There's probably ask. a lot of material. And I know a guy who's an archivist for Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, and his job and he's got I think there he has four people who do this. He just buys libraries. Yeah. Of films. Yeah. People die. And they're collectors, yeah. and they have these big libraries, and he spends millions of dollars buying these libraries sight unseen, just so he can preserve them. And then he hires people and pays them like full salaries just to go through the footage that he bought sight unseen and catalog it. Is it actual film? Yeah, it's film. Yeah, like sixty millimeter, thirty-five millimeter, right? Stuff. Yeah, he doesn't care what it is. He just wants to preserve it. Yeah, 
And there's something so beautiful about that. Totally. And like, what a great thing to do with your money. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. We have to, I have to go teach. Okay. Uh, I hope this will be archived. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, occasionally one meets somebody who inspires one either spiritually or artistically or in some way. And, and I've, I've always been inspired by you. So thank you for making it easier to continue. Oh, thanks, Kaveh. And thanks for inviting me in to talk to you. Do I say anything else? Yeah, I mean, don't die. <laughs> I can't really conceive of that. I, well, I can, but it'd be a shame. Figure out how to get around that. Okay. And then call me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll try not to. <laughs> Take care. Bye, Toby. Bye.